Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. And I'm grateful for who he is. Uh, Let's turn again to Luke 15, verse 11. And it reads this. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, forgive me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Today, I'm going to preach this subject here, the house that did not move. The house that did not move. I'm going to ask us to uh, pray together one more time. Ask God to bless us. And um, I, I just wanted to preach this word that was on my heart this week. And so I want to ask us to bow our heads together. Lord, I, I, I need you today. Lord, I pray, let your word speak, God, clearly into our hearts and our minds. Strengthen us, God. I I pray, oh Lord, do what only you can do. I I need your supernatural today. I need, oh God, you to pass by every aisle, every seat, Lord. Give us that opportunity to grab a hold of you. You are the everlasting Father. And I pray, Lord, help us find it in within ourselves to run to you today. God, I thank you, Jesus, and help me, your preacher, and your name I pray in Jesus name say that with me in Jesus name amen Amen. and amen if you would just before you're seated say thank you for being at Ephesus church with me today I appreciate you praise God living in Florida hurricanes were always a concern My family members who lived up north in in Illinois, we'd always try to get them to come visit and uh, even the idea of moving closer to us. And my in-laws were always terrified of the hurricanes. They were always worried that as soon as they got there, hurricanes would happen. But they always dealt with harsh cold weather every single year. You know, during my time in Florida, I worked in the tree business, as they said, and I was an arborist, is a fancy word of saying that, but uh, I cut down trees for a living, removed, trimmed them, all that type of stuff. And when hurricane season came around, it was money season. It was big time. 
It was, it was a very lucrative business to be in. The, the, that season would come uh, at the changing of the weather. The, 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 the temperature would change. The warm water would give off an ambient temperature, and those cold winds would come, and those, those, those temperatures would be contrary with each other and begin to uh, arise storms out, way out in the middle of nowhere that would grow and, and, and over time just develop a ferocious hunger to eat. <laughs> and they would cross over into our areas. Hurricane season would, would bring much devastation. And uh, I've seen that with my own eyes as Times would come, we would have uh, many trees on houses. There were time, weeks would go by where we would drive down neighborhoods with a crane, and all we did was pluck trees off of houses and out of houses, and, and then we'd just put it in the front yard, and we'd say, all right, and then we'd go to the next door and do the same thing, and, and uh, we wouldn't even clean it up more than that because there was just so much devastation that it, we just focused on getting it off houses. We focused on getting off rooftops and so that they can tarp it so they can try to have somewhat of a dry home and it was it was a sad sight to see as I noticed the strength of what a hurricane can do I came across a story of a man named Warren and Pam Adams who lost a house to Hurricane Rita in 2005. They lived in a peninsula area, a beachfront property kind of area that uh, was susceptible to storms. And when Rita came, it demolished. It, it, it really destroyed their home. And they had the opportunity to either just move away or rebuild. But they were the types to rebuild. And at first their house, there wasn't just super enormous or anything, but their house was was uh, not like your normal beachfront type of property. I mean, in the sense of it's grandiose and it was, it was modest, but you know they were close to the beach. They were very, very, very uh, close to having feet in sand, as they say. And they decided to stay and rebuild, and they. Initially, their house was around $180,000. So that kind of gives you an idea of how, what a beach house for $180,000 looks like. It's not that big when you consider a beach house. But they decided, we want to pour $150,000 into the rebuilding process of, of structure and things that, that we really need for our home. The rebuilding process, they chose uh, to give more attention towards how they rebuilt. And again, they, they poured in more finances and they poured in more money in certain areas. Three years later, during their hurricane season in September of 2008, Hurricane Ike began to make its way towards Galveston, Texas, right towards Warren and Pam's house. Many of their neighbors boarded up their windows and packed up their vehicles to make towards higher ground. But Warren and Pam decided to wait it out. They decided to stay there and to see the storm and to make sure that they're there in case something happened, I guess. It was shortly in the night 
that Warren woke up in the middle of the night around 3 a.m. and he witnessed his wife Pam staring out of the window with tears rolling down her face as she sees these enormous gusts of wind remove rooftops and trees are beginning to lay down and debris is going all over the place. She, she's terrified in this moment and she speaks up to her husband because Warren is like, what's wrong? And she said, water is coming up to the road. In that moment, Warren makes the decision with Pam, let's get out of here. Let's just go ahead and jump in our vehicle and, be, and just leave as soon as we can. And at three in the morning, they jumped into their vehicle and made to higher ground. After the storm passed, Warren and Pam began to make their trip back home. And they were welcomed to the site of pure devastation. Their house was on a peninsula town where hurricane flattened 200 homes. As they were driving closer, tears began to flow down Pam's face. Warren told newspapers of his reaction and his return experience, and he said, there's a yellow house sitting there, but that's all. It was devastating. If you put that picture up, please, Brother Stephen, this is their house. It was literally the last house standing. The only home on that peninsula that made it because they decided during their rebuilding process that they would give great attention to foundation. They made sure that if we're going to pour investment, if we're going to make sure we do anything in this rebuilding process, we've got to make sure that our structure is sound, that our foundation is secure, that we're built upon something that will not move, that we will not go when the winds blow and when the storms bang against our house, we will still be standing. Yeah. I want us to understand that that picture there is, is so ugly, but it's so real. And Jesus addresses this issue of foundations in Matthew 7 and 24. And I read, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings, that word sayings is logos. It is the word. He is the logos. Anyone who hears the sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock yes. and everyone that heareth these sayings the logos of mine and doth not doth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it I want us to hear this today the rain will descend in our lives the floods are coming I guarantee you that the winds are going to be blowing contrary to our decision I promise you this our dwelling I'm telling you right now will take a beating I know all these things are going to come to pass because his word does not lie we are going to all 
face a storm. We're all going to face floods. We're all going to face storms in our life. I guarantee you this. But what really matters is, will my house be the house that does not move? I'm grateful today for houses that are still standing through storms. If 2020 taught me anything, is that there are some houses that spent more time and emphasis worrying about the exterior and the and the shutters and, and the and the gardens and the porch lights more than they worried about the interior structure and the soundness of the foundation and their relationship with Christ. There are more people and more houses that are no longer standing here with us today because let me tell you something, 2020 was a hurricane. This, this world we're living in is blowing contrary to your lifestyle. This world we're living in does not like who you are and does not like Jesus at all. I promise you this, the wind is coming, the clouds are over our head, but I want us to grasp this. What am I built upon? Where is my foundation? Am I built upon a rock or am I built upon sinking sand? I'm saddened by so many houses that are no longer here with us today. I'm saddened by houses that are moved, not just also moved by the, the, the winds of this world, but also moved by sound doctrine. Second right, Timothy 4 and 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. When truth is preached, I see houses at times move because they can't stand the jabbing of conviction. Can I tell you this? Conviction isn't the wind that you should be worried about that is blowing at your, at your doorstep. Conviction needs to be the brick and mortar upon where you build your foundation today. We've got to understand my life must be built on something that will not move. I have to understand right now before I ever walk out of another church service, am I built upon him or am I built upon this world? Am I built upon his goodness and his righteousness or am I built upon the seasonal pleasures of this world? I promise you this, you've got to, you've got to worry about the rock underneath your feet. I return to my opening text. We find a young man who comes to a crossroad in his life. There he makes a decision either to stay or to go. We're not given a defined reason why he felt pressed to leave. I do know this. We can all come to our understanding of, of fill in the blank, if you wish, on why he left. We, we just know he desired to leave. We see this young man in this story that I opened in my text that he comes to his father. And he says, Dad, I... I want what's coming to me. I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait until you pass on. I, I want to take it now and I want to leave. I, I don't want to be here no more. I, I can't tell you why he said that to his dad. I don't know if we, he, he had a problem with the rules and all, that's, all that can be true. I, I, I'm not going to speculate today. I'm just going to speak some facts today. The fact is, is that he decided to leave. He decided to come and say, 
say, I want what's coming to me. I collected all my things. I appreciate a father who's willing to give something to his son. Now I look at that in my fleshly mind and I can't help myself but think my dad would have punched my lights out. My dad would have slapped me silly if I came to him and said, Dad, I love you, but you know what? I'm going to need whatever is coming to me. I think maybe my dad would have chuckled and said, here, here's a dollar. That's about it. <laughs> we, all, we all see that, the, the, the moxie of this boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, well, that's probably one of the, the biggest thing I'm astounded at, the moxie. I'd like to also call it stupidity. Yeah. The stupidity of this boy to come up to the father who obviously loves him with every portion of, of his being and says, I want what's mine so I can leave you. Wow. He gathers everything that he has. He takes his pictures off his bedroom wall. He, he, he collects his stuff, the, the little things that he's gathered and maybe the, the little twigs that he's whittled into something, his board games, his cards, whatever it may be, his, his, few, his, his few garments that he has. He, he collects them and puts them all in his little suitcase and, and he goes down his own road and he goes into a world that is always going to be open-armed. Right. Walks into a country that wants to make you a citizen. The Bible says that he actually joined himself with a citizen. I love that. I love how the world is so kind to us. Right. I love how the world loves us with such openness and how the world just cares about me so much. How it's so easy to say, move in with me. I understand your pain. I understand your sorrow. I understand. I know home is the worst place ever. Move in with me. You're my friend, even though I just met you. You're my deepest friend. I care. And when everyone else has left you, I'm here. I love you. Come with, live with me. This boy walks in and joins himself with a citizen, and he takes what he has been given, and he's like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to, all those things that dad wouldn't let me do, I'm going to enjoy it now. I'm going to live life to the fullest. Carpe diem. Right. Oh man, this is fantastic. Awesome. Oh man. Okay. What's the bill? I'm sorry. Okay. I think I got that. All right. Yeah, I do. All right. Today I do. Start going out more and more and realize, okay, my savings is dwindling. My, my party money is running short. It's, it's kind of lost its weight. It's, I want to see how much was that drink? How much was that bill? How much for that bag? How much for this? I don't have any. Okay. I need to find a job now. I need to find some work. I need to sustain my, my pleasure. I need to sustain this level of life I love so much that I, I willingly walked out my dad's house. I need to, I don't want to go back. I, I, it's not time for me to go back. But the Bible says that he would, he would you join himself with somebody and they would say, hey, listen, I, I think I know a job for you, but it's, it's a little dirty. It's a little ugly, but uh, I'm, I'm sure you can get a little money and we can all go out later and have some fun and enjoy things. But by the way, I'm going to also need some rent money, and I'm going to also need a little bit of money for this, okay? So I need you to pay me for that. And, and two, I, I kind of helped you with the job, so maybe a little finder's fee. He thinks he's happy about it and realizes that the job is that it's on a farm, a pig farm. 
It's like, man, I've never worked on a pig farm before. I really wasn't even allowed to be around pigs. Right. There he is. He's in this pig pen feeding him the slop from the dinner table from last night. All his money is going to bills. All his funds is going to rent and all sorts of things. And he's looking at, he's starting. I can just see him throw out half ears of corn. And I can see him toss out, you know, skeletonized pieces of fish. I can see him getting a whiff of last night's dinner and spoil. He's like, man, this actually kind of looks good. I could probably see him look around a little bit. Seeing if anyone's noticing, because if I can sneak a bite of this, I haven't ate, I haven't eaten days because I can't afford it for myself. And there he is feeding the pigs with the slop, and he's realizing he's got a, he's slobbering hungry for that slop. He's like, I'm so hungry for this. And I love how the Bible says it. Luke 15, 17. And when he came to himself, Oh my God! What am I doing? How did, how did I get to this place? How am I so far removed from the linen tables of my father's table? How am I so far gone from the lamb I used to partake of? How am I in this place? You can see the dirt under his fingers. You can see, you can feel as he's chewing the, the grind. He can feel the, the sediment of dirt and sand between his teeth. And he's thinking to myself, how did I get to this place? How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to, to spare? And I perish with hunger here. I got an idea. I've got it. Not only am I going to swallow this husk, it's time for me to swallow my shame. It's time for me to swallow my pride. He takes a big gulp of his his pride. He says, I will arise and I go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am not worthy. I've, 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 I've given up. I've forfeited my position under your roof. I'm not worthy to be your son, but make me as one of your hired servants. If you would just allow me to apply for appointment on your land. Jesus. He arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, I love it, his father seen him and had compassion. I feel like the father can see just a, just a small glimpse of what his son used to be. My son used to look bigger than that. My son used to look thicker than that, a little more well-fed than that. I know he was better clothed than that. His hair was a little shorter. It's a little long. I think that's him. I, I, see my, I see my son out there. and Oh, what a hard life. What a terrible life he's in. Oh, I have a choice here. I can stand right here and wait for him to make his way to my footsteps. But no, I have compassion upon him. I, I want to embrace him. 
Oh, oh, I, I prayed for him to return. I prayed for him to come home to his, his mother and I. I, I, I want to see him again. Is that him? I, I can't tell. I got to run out to him. He had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I love this story. We all love this story. The prodigal son said, I will arise and go to my father. And here is the point of my message today. The reason the prodigal son will later experience the returning embrace of an ever-loving father. The reason the prodigal will be covered by the warmth of a robe. The reason the prodigal will feel the weight of a ring on his finger. The reason he will be, his, his feet will be shod. The reason his belly will later be filled by a fatted calf is because he knew to, where to find his father. He would find his father in a house that did not move. He knew where home was at. He knew where home was always going to be. He understood that where home is, there is my father. I will rise and go home. I will rise and find my father. And I ask us today just a what if question. What if, what if this father said within himself that day after his son asked for his inheritance and said, Dad, it's too hard living here under your rules. It's too hard living here under your regulations. It's too hard living here under your holiness. It's too hard following righteousness. It's too difficult. I can't handle it anymore. But what if the father said, oh, son, you may be right. I better pack up too. I better move as well. Let me tell you what, that prodigal, as he would run home, would find no house there. He would find an empty plot. He would find barrenness. All the recovery, all the hope, all the, the embrace of a father, the, the, the robe on his back, the ring on his finger, the shoes on his feet, the fatness of the calf in his belly would never be there. It would all be void because a house moved. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the fear that would come over a returning son? Where did my father go? His house was here. Where is he now? I can say this as long as I'm pastoring this house. This house is not moving. This house will preach holiness. This house will stand on righteousness. This house will preach his goodness and his grace and his mercy. This house will always preach that you must repent. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This house will not, will not move. This house will stay. 
secure and locked in into the foundations of Christ. Oh, this house ain't going nowhere. This house isn't going to be transplanted. This house is not going anywhere. And I'm not talking about a geological location. Trust me, we're feeling the tightness of this room. But I'm talking about our spiritual, a spiritual home. This altar ain't going nowhere. This place where a son can make home and embrace a father will always be in this house. Oh, I'm telling you right now, heaven and earth will pass away before my word will pass away, before that foundation will ever move. Everything else will get out of town before this house ever moves. Parents, listen to me today. Don't move your house. Your child needs the foundation of your home to be secure. I know your pressured child. I know you're pressured by the current world to give in a little bit. Give just an inch. Give just just a few millimeters. Don't move the house. I know you're pressured. I know. I know you are pressured by your sons and your daughters. Mom, Dad, why so rough? Mom, Dad, why so difficult? Why so traditional? Mom and Dad, don't can't you just let up a little bit can't you just allow me to do this or to go here don't move the house oh I know I know you're pressured Jesus I know I know I know you're pressured by your own upbringing I know you have scars and you have wounds and you have a rash that says when I'm a parent I'm going to give in a little bit here I'm going to give in here and give just a little I'm going to move the landmark just a little bit on this side let me tell you what don't move your house our prodigals prodigal will not find a home if the house has moved our sons and daughters will not find a place of rest and recovery if the house is moved a prodigal will not find a nourishment to his spirit if the table's moved don't move the house don't move it stay steadfast stay strong don't move the foundations stay planted I'm telling you without a shadow of doubt storms are coming your way I'm telling you right now rains are descending floods are coming up to your door it is a guarantee but don't move the house stay planted in the word of God stay planted in his righteousness stay planted in his goodness and his mercy stay planted into the conviction God has pricked you with. Come on. Come on. Yes. There is a photographer, Ben Marson, who became well known for his passion of taking pictures of houses. Not just kind of regular houses, but houses that are standing alone. He has an entire photography collection entitled Last House Standing. 
if you throw a couple of those pictures, I think I have four of them here. This is, that's one picture. It's, keep going. Keep going. Another one. I think that might be it. Okay, riveting, right? Woo. Yeah. <laughs> he lives in the Baltimore area. He was driving down the street, and he started noticing kind of neighborhoods that have been devastated. And he started noticing these last houses that were standing. It just spoke to him, so he got out of his vehicle, and he started taking pictures, and it became a thing. Isn't it always funny what, thing, what, what art is? I mean, Jackson Pollock, I was doing that stuff in kindergarten. Anyhow, Google Jackson Pollock, you'll figure it out. He was asked by a reporter about his, his collection and, and, and the fame of it. And they asked why he was so attracted to taking those pictures of those types of houses. He replied in the interview that it's the story of how the house came to be. He imagines all the families that used to live in those houses that used to butt up and partner with that last house standing. He asks the question, what happened to make those houses lose their appeal? What happened in the family that made them move? What financial trouble came their way? What, what unfortunate thing happened in that home to make that family leave that house and for that community just to do away with that house? But he goes on and he says something in this interview that really hit home for me. He says, the last house standing the thing that really speaks to me and the really the thing that is, 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 has become true is that typically always has someone living in it. When somebody is occupying that house, they will not tear it down. The house is there because someone is occupying it. And I hope you hear me today that we need to make sure that righteousness is still living in this house. That right and wrong is defined in the house of the Lord. That we're not confused by the definition outside these four walls. Woe well, unto them who put evil, right? Who, who switch it up, light for darkness, who, who don't know what's going on, who is confused with the definitions of today. I'm telling you right now, if righteousness is still occupying this house, this house will not move. If, if I'm telling you more, if holiness, if holiness is living within these four walls, occupying this room and this space, this house is not going anywhere. Oh, it may, it may be hit by attendance issues, and I'm not worried about that. It's God's church anyhow. It is his home. It is his harvest. It is his field. It is all his. It's his kingdom. Whatever he wants to do, he adds to the church daily, such as should be saved. But I'm telling you right now, the moment I give up as a pastor and give out and kick out holiness out of this house, let me tell you what, this house is in danger of being torn down. 
Strong doctrine is living. I'm telling you right now, we need strong doctrine to dwell inside this house. This needs to be a place where confusion outside can come here and see a light and see it brightly and know that the darkness in them does not comprehend it and know within them that there is truth here in the presence of the Lord to know that he is the truth, know that he is the way. This place needs to have strong doctrine laying inside its walls. If righteousness, holiness, strong doctrine ever move out, this house will not stand. How will a lost world find their way home if the house has moved? Let's all stand today. If you were encouraged by this message, and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 